When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 20 seconds to go. Wrist shot, save Talbot. Rebound, top of the blue paint. Wrist shot, Martinez, save Talbot. Kopitar bangs it off the back of the head. 12 seconds, wrist shot, Martinez. Save made by Cam Talbot. And here come the Oilers, 2-1-1 to win it. McDavid in for the left-hand side. Dry subtle waits. There's the center pass. What timers Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Soft win by Dreisaitl. Now he's down in the middle of the ice. Rich shot score. 1-0 Edmonton. Dreisaitl had already drawn a penalty. It might have been a penalty shot. But he says forget about it. On the speed, John Gibson 5 hole. Chevy bumps it back to Lucic, cutting behind the net, in front, Dreisaitl, backhander, score! 2-0 Edmonton, Dreisaitl with the finish! Dave, he'll gain the line off balance, Latestu to Dreisaitl, feeds Lucic, back to Dreisaitl, one-timer, score! Dreisaitl's got a hat-trick, and five points, and Edmonton is blowing Anaheim right out of game six. Well, that was something, wasn't it? Leon leading the way, and the Oilers are going back to Anaheim, just as Connor McDavid suggested after Friday's heartbreaker. 7-1 the win in Game 6. Game 7 Wednesday against the Ducks. Now, we don't know the start time yet. It'll depend on the outcome of the Washington-Pittsburgh game tonight, and the Capitals have jumped out to a 1-0 lead on the Pens. TJ Oshie with the goal, six minutes left in the first period as they try to force a Game 7 Pittsburgh trying to finish off that series. Thanks a lot for checking in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chad. You can reach me by calling 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Follow me on Twitter at Reed Wilkins. That's R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. The Oilers uh, did not practice today. I mean, the Black Aces were out there on the ice skating. Uh, They will practice tomorrow and then fly to Anaheim. Griffin Reinhardt, who we'll hear from in a couple of minutes, uh, I mean, said he'll be ready if Oscar Clefbaum isn't ready to go, but Todd McClellan indicated last night that Clefbaum will be available for Game 7. Andre Sekera out for the series, so I would expect Eric Griba to remain in the lineup, Clefbaum to come back in and to take Reinhardt out. The Oilers have not played a Game 7 since, well, you know when. The Anaheim Ducks have played... Four season-ending Game 7s in a row. Their season has ended in a Game 7 the last four years. Not just that, it has ended on home ice in a series where they have lost Game 6 on the road. So, of course, head coach Randy Carlisle was asked about that after the game. See, I look at it, it's that's not the same group. And I wasn't here. So don't play, don't pin any of the Game 7s on me. <laughs> Simple as that. This is a different group, and we're going to approach, as we do every game, 
with a game plan and we're not afraid to go into our building and play a solid hockey game and that's what's going to be required. I, I found that a little curious when he said it last night and, and I realize you know he's asked questions and, and, and you're often just speaking off the cuff but I did find that part where he said, don't pin those Game 7 losses on me. Now, fair enough, he wasn't there. He wasn't part of that team. He did say it's a different group. I would have expected, and, and you, know, you can tell me if I'm alone in this, but, but I, I did find it a little curious that, that, he would, that he would actually say, don't pin those on me. And, and, and maybe the reason it stood out to me is, is that the Oilers have a head coach, Todd McClellan, who was here for one year, of what's been dubbed the decade of darkness, but have always has always said we haven't been in the playoffs for ten years. We haven't had success. You know, our group hasn't done this before, and I just found it odd that Carlisle. I mean, in a sport where players and coaches often trip over themselves to try to either a give other people credit or b to take more blame individually than they're due, that a coach would actually say, "Don't pin those on me." Now. Having said that, I also understand he's trying to say this is the 2017 Ducks. This isn't the 16, 15, 14, or 13 Ducks or whatever year you want to pick. This team hasn't lost uh, a Game 7 at home, but there are plenty of players on that team who have. It's going to be interesting tomorrow night to see or Wednesday night to see how they react and uh, if maybe there is something in the Ducks' heads, the guys who have been there for a while, Getzlaff, Perry, Cogliano, those players who have lost several Game 7s on home ice. All right. It was interesting for the Oilers last night with Oscar Clefbaum coming out for the warm-up, skating for a bit, going off. That was certainly a big development on our face-off show. We knew Eric Greiber was going to play. Mark Fain and Griffin Reinhardt were out there. It turned out to be Reinhardt who played. And his acquisition by the Oilers, as I'm sure you remember at the draft in 2015, was much talked about. The Oilers traded the 16th and the 33rd overall picks to get Griffin Reinhardt. Matthew Barzell was a player who was taken 16th by the New York Islanders. He's kind of an intriguing prospect, high-scoring junior player. Uh, Reinhardt has not been able to stick with the Oilers. He, you know, he got into a lot of games last year, did not play a game in the NHL this season. And he was talking about what it was like for him in the minors this year. You know what, I had a good talk at the start of the year um, that it's going to be a development year for me and, you know, things weren't working. So, you know, I I had to clear my mind and and know that, you know, I would get my chance and um, I just had to prove that I could play consistent. So whether I was playing really well and, you know, deserved it, I knew that um, I just had to keep sticking with my game and it would pay off. So Reinhardt there, and you know, that was one of the knocks on him was, was, is he assertive enough? You know, does he play with enough confidence? So clearly he focused on those two things to try to work on that. He's still a prospect. The Oilers are going to need him, especially if that trade's going to be positively evaluated as we move forward. I, I'm not going to get all over the moon about one game, but he went out there, he did his job, he had a quiet night, he played just under 14 minutes. You know, he did get involved a couple of times in a couple of scrums with some face washes and pulling guys out of the way, so that was a good sign. So good for Griffin Reinhardt to step in there. All right. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll talk about a player who 
has really emerged, I think, as a bit of a fan favorite, a reliable guy for the Oilers, and he's also leading the NHL in power play points. That's when we get back. It's 6-13 Inside Sports on Chet. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in. You can text 630-630. This person says, Reed, I couldn't agree with you more about Randy Carlisle's comments. Haas says, we do, however, get to pin a Game 7 loss against Boston while coaching the Leafs on Carlisle, though. Yes, he was the uh, coach for that big collapse in Game 7 against Boston in 2013. James says, Reed, I thought at times in Games 3-5, to five, Todd McClellan was outcoached. However, brilliant move to put Dreisaitl at center on the second line in Game 6. Well, don't forget, James, he, Dreisaitl was also that line in Game 5. And what happened in Game 5 on Friday? The Oilers went through the warm-up with their quote-unquote regular lines, and then they were blendered when they came out for the game. So that was uh, Todd being a little sneaky. They didn't have a great first period, got the three goals in the second period, and they were doing what they needed to do through most of the third, and then it fell apart, and then they got the bad call at the end. I, I mean, I think if 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 uh, if you were to question something about Todd in Game 5, and I talked to Drew Remender about this after the game. Should have he called a timeout after the first or the second goal? Uh, Drew said, definitely, that's something you could question. He also said, sometimes the timeout has the reverse effect, where you send a message to your team that something's wrong, and, and you're doing something wrong. And, and Todd didn't feel that the Oilers were being delinquent late in that game. Uh, you know, I thought they stopped checking a little bit. I thought they got a little too passive, but they weren't completely running around and leaving guys wide open and being lazy. And, I mean, the goals Anaheim got, the one goes off Dreisaitl's back, Fowler floats one through, and then obviously the controversial one. But fair point there by James. 780-496-0063. The text line is 630-630. My name is Reed Wilkins. Warren Mulvey is our studio producer this evening. Warren, I know you've been following the playoffs uh, very closely. I know sometimes you're working during games, but you always got the uh, old tube on or you're listening to Ched. Do you know... And I'm not, I'm not asking this, it's, this is not one of those like, oh, I'm going to embarrass you by asking the question. I'm just going to ask you, because I'm curious to see who you'll say off the top of your head. Or maybe you know this already. Who is leading the NHL in power play points in the playoffs? Uh, Mark Letestu? It is Mark Letestu. Aren't you a clever little cookie? He's, uh, he's been outstanding on the power play for us. Mark Letestu is the second leading scorer on the Oilers in the postseason. Eight of those points on the power play, which leads the entire NHL. Rebound, Drysaddle trades the puck with McDavid. Lucic, the net front presence. Drysaddle dishes, bending one-timer score. Mark Latestu makes it 5 nothing, And Edmonton's running Anaheim right out of Rogers' place in game six. Well, yeah, and I wanted to prove I belong there. You know, I think it... It probably didn't come with a lot of fanfare that I was put there, so I wanted to prove that you know I could contribute in that spot. So for me, I knew I could shoot the puck well, and those guys are great passers, and it's it's turned into something. Uh, you know, it, it's you know I've kind of carved out a bit of a role on this team with that, and 
uh, it's worked out well for the power play and for me. Test is a, he's, he's not a young man, but he's a smart, smart fella. And uh, he gets it. He, he anticipates well, he reads plays, he puts himself in a position. And uh, I think if he was a 21-year-old or a 20-year-old, he would defer to... Uh, to others. Um, he's played enough to know that if he does certain things, he'll have success no matter who he plays with. His, his skill level is way underestimated. Um, just because we play him in the four hole uh, or the three hole sometimes, his skill level is way, way underestimated. Uh, you know, um, certainly not by us, but by, by a number of other people. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting when your top players. Uh, want to play with a, a certain player. It's telling you volumes about what they think of them as well. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? When certain players want to play with another player, that tells you a lot about them. So the stars on the team, McDavid and Dreisaitl, want to be out there with Mark Letestu on the power play because he knows he's they know he's going to put himself in the right spot. He'll shoot the puck or he'll retrieve pucks and get it to them. I know uh, earlier this year on Oilers Now, Jay Woodcroft, the Oilers assistant coach, did an interview with Bob Stoffer and said that Latestu is very good at, at getting the puck through the neutral zone, being in lanes that his teammates know where he's going to be to pass them the puck to get it through the neutral zone and get it into the offensive end. So that's all very interesting stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, what the fourth line center on the team leads the NHL in power play points. And he had 11 power play goals in the regular season, second on the team behind only Milan Lucic. So he just continues to find ways to contribute and make himself very valuable to the team. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Rob on the line. Rob, good to hear from you. Hey, how's it going, man? Doing well. Good. Just a comment I wanted to make there, you know, about... Uh the Oilers want to get once they get past this round and get up against Nashville. I think they're going to have to play a different kind of a game and cover those defensemen from take the defense out of the game with Nashville. Nashville's got a very good defense, unlike uh, you know like Chicago and St. Louis. They didn't take the defense out of the game, and look what's happened there. And you know even the Oilers, like with San Jose and Anaheim, we kind of we let a lot of shots come through right from the point, and you can't stop, but you can't see, and you can't blame Talbot. But against San, against uh, Nashville, they've got a very strong defense, and they can all shoot that puck. And we've got to take them out of the play. Well, let's get uh, let's win on Wednesday first, Rob. But uh, but N- Nashville is very good, and I and I think Anaheim's defense has given the Oilers trouble at times as well in the series because they're very mobile and they're also good at moving the puck. Quite frankly, they're a little deeper than I thought they would be. Now that yeah. you see them, you see them game after game. Certainly, yeah. I think. You know, Subban is is dynamic on another level that Nashville doesn't have. Yossi's uh, very good. You know, Ellis has been very good. So, yeah, yeah I mean, then those you look at the Nashville scoring summaries, there's a defenseman in on almost every goal, right? For sure. Yeah. yeah. No, there is. No, yeah, um, I'm just, like I said, maybe I shouldn't be looking ahead that far, but I'm optimistic, uh, you know, that, that we're going to beat Anaheim in Game 7, and I'm looking forward to the next series. Right on, Rob. Good to hear from you. Okay, thanks, man. That's Rob at 780-496-0063. Before I go back to the phone lines, I want to throw this in as well. Drew Remenda's been popping on overtime open line. Uh, fortunately, Rob Brown had a prior commitment for games four and five. And then, man, Rob went to the rink last night, but he was sick last night. He could he could not talk. So uh, Drew Remenda popped on with me for a few minutes, and he had this to say about Mark Letestu. One, he's a leader. One, he's a, two, he's a veteran. Three, he's a guy that everybody looks to in the room. He's got tons of character, and he's a total pro. Um, 
And earlier in the year, there was that debate, right? Remember, you know, why is Mark Letestu on the power play? You, really, is Mark Letestu, is that the, that the best-looking power play? Do you throw Mark Letestu out there? Yeah, it is, because he's a smart player. Power plays for thinkers. The game, as it goes on, going on five and five, and it's going back and forth and all that stuff, that's, that's when you stop thinking and you just go play. Power plays for thinkers. And Mark Letestu's a thinker. He reads off other guys well, puts himself in the right position. And when you notice that shots, when they come from the flank, if he's if it's coming from the weak side from where he is, he attacks the net, doesn't stand there and wait for it. He's got terrific timing on the power play, and he's got an excellent shot. And when you look at a guy like Mark Letestu play, and I'll tell you this, there's probably I'm not telling too many tales out of school, but Todd McClellan once told me um, that if he would have had Mark Letestu as a fourth-line center in San Jose, he would have won the Stanley Cup. Wow. That's how much he thinks of Mark Letestu. Well, how about that? that I was... That's pretty high praise. Uh, maybe Drew is telling a tale a bit of the school there, but that's a pretty significant comment. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Jordan on the line. Hello, Jordan. Hey, Reed. How are you doing today? Doing quite well. Hey, yeah. Just uh, occurred to me in terms of like you know the keys to winning the next game, especially in that building. I mean, uh, the start we had was great. We got like you know some good bounces there with the fan shot to start things off, but. Um, I really noticed the physical pushback, you know, and, and I actually remembered something. I think it was Shirelli that maybe described uh, Kajula when they signed him, or maybe it was one of your personalities there, but that he was a buzzsaw type high energy player despite his stature. And you know, from him on up the lineup through Nurse and uh, and Lucic, I thought the gamesmanship there of that scrum in the end, especially there, I just thought that that uh, was a great way to just put the icing on the cake. And I wonder, does that keep Getzlaff? and Kessler off their toes a bit um, in terms of uh, playing on their heels a bit more uh, in Game 7, or do you think that that, that is planning a, an extra seed of doubt in their head? Well, I, I, I hope so. I mean, I think the Oilers proved something there by coming out, but, I mean, it's what we always talk about with pushback. I always say push first, and the Oilers pushed first, right? And they stayed on the Ducks even once they got the lead. Now, do I think that intimidates Getzlaff or Kessler for next game? Probably not, because they've been through it before. Um, but I, I think it's... I, I'll put it this way, Jordan. The Ducks are going to react. They're going to play better. But the Oilers have to come out with the same mindset that they had in Game 6. And I think they had sort of a screw-it mindset, where they said, whatever, Ducks, you want to you wanna play cheap. You want to... You, refs, you want to give us the wrong call. Too bad. We're going to control everything that we can control tonight. And I think that's where it started for me. Yeah, and also I just wanted to say as far as Griba being in the lineup, like uh, there's one play in particular where I thought he made a nice, crisp, quick, short pass up to the supporting forward to get out of the zone. And, uh, you know, just having him back there around the crease or in the backboards, I think, you know, it's an asset, not a liability at this point. And uh, obviously getting Sakara back would be nice. But, uh, yeah, keep it going. Thanks, Jordan. Good to hear from you. We also got time for Ryan before we go to the news. Hey, Ryan. Hey there. How's it going? Doing well. All right, so quick question about the captaincy here. I don't know if you know about the, um, like, if Everly's got an, a letter right now, but I'm just wondering, like, if you'd throw one on Drysaddle as a way to motivate Everly. Because he's been on the team for a while, but, I mean, Drysaddle's blowing up right now, and I feel like he deserves a little a little something. I don't know. Well, I think, yeah, Everly, Nugent Hopkins, and Lucic still rotate the A's, so two out of the three wear one for every game. I, I don't think they'd be messing around with letters at this at this point of the season. Could I see Dreisaitl getting one down the road? Well, obviously I could, yeah. 
I just I think uh, there's got to be a way to motivate the guy that isn't just straight up taking him out of the lineup, especially in playoffs. That's a lot of skill, but I just I, I don't know. There's got to be something to do. Otherwise, it's, it just kind of seems like we got to get rid of him, and I don't want that. But I don't know. Well, I, I think he'll be a big off-season decision for sure. But I think for now they'll they'll keep plowing away. And, I, I don't, and again, I don't think they'll be fooling around with letters at this point of the season. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it. And I'll quickly get Glenn in here before we go to the news. Glenn, I got about thirty seconds for you if you can get it in. Okay, I'll be quick. Um, your statement regarding both teams are being paid. I understand that in the playoffs, teams do not get pl- uh, paid. Is that correct? Well, both actually, yes. Do not get paid. That's true. They don't get a salary in the playoffs. They would get their per diem and all that stuff. Hey, that's all I needed to know. Okay. Thank. You. All right. Uh, it's 6.28. Quick timeout, and then we're going to bring in Fernando Pisani inside sports on 6.30, Chad. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 6.30, Chad. Could not work his way around Griffin Reinhardt, and it's shoveled out by Letestu. Cassian's got a breakaway to the net. Richard's gone! 3-0 Edmonton! Listen to this crowd! Zach Kessian! One of the seven goals put on the board by your Edmonton Oilers last night. The crowd was amazing. How could you not listen to them, as Jack Michaels said in that clip? An absolutely boisterous environment at Rogers Place. Don't forget... The Orange Crust Road Game Watch Party is back for Game 7. Now, the start time for the game, not yet announced, but the tickets go on sale through the Oilers website, edmontonoilers.com, tomorrow at 11 a.m. And remember, they're only 5 bucks. Net proceeds going to the Edmonton Oilers Community Foundation. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chat. I'm pleased to welcome to the show former Edmonton Oiler. He was on that 06 team that went to the Cup Final, Fernando Pisani. Fernando, thanks for making time for me. How are you doing? I'm good, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing great. Good to catch up with you. It's a, it's an exciting time. Uh, I, I, I don't. I know you've been to a couple games. I don't know if you were there last night, but my oh my, what a party that turned into, eh? Yeah. Uh, no, I wasn't there last night, but uh, yeah, it was uh, pretty unexpected. I didn't think it would be that one-sided. You've, uh, you know, as a player, you would have played in games where you're on the right side of a score like that, and obviously on the wrong side sometimes too. What what's it like playing in in a game like that where one team just uh, takes over? I, I mean, can you sense it coming on the ice when you're when you're in a game like that, or or what's it like to experience it as a player? Well, on on the when you're on the winning side, it's uh, you know every single bounce is going your way, the puck is following you. Like you look at a lot of the goals, like um, Drysaitel's first one, there he kind of you know lost it a little bit, and it just trickled through. Uh, Gibson's legs there so you know that one was kind of a a fortunate bounce for them and you know it just seemed to kind of snowball from there the only downside of it is you know you hope you don't use all your luck in in that one game right yeah for sure good good point you're you're not going to score seven two games in a row especially in a game seven the the Oilers on Friday Fernando I mean, look, it was that had never happened before. Like the Ducks pulled off NHL history. No team had been down three and scored in the last four minutes of regulation time to force overtime. And then, of course, they won it. Um, that was crushing to allow those goals. I didn't bring you on to debate the goalie interference call, but that didn't help how the Oilers felt about that game. 
What do you think allows a team to bounce back from a crushing defeat like that? Because I mean, we've seen it even in the playoffs with uh, teams of many organizations in the past. They can suffer a setback like that that they never recover from. What's the key to a team recovering from a game like that? Well, you know, it's it's tough to say, but uh, I was really impressed on, on how the Oilers recovered from that because, you know, that's three goals in, in that three and a half minutes. Like, uh, I've never seen anything like that, you know, bounce off uh, dry sidles back that goes in the net, and then, you know, next thing you know, it's just a snowball effect. But uh, they, they did an amazing job, you know, putting that game behind them and just they just look like a, a fresher team on the ice i think uh anaheim looked pretty tired uh last game they just you know the orders were just just skating them all over the ice and winning every loose puck battle and they just looked like a much much better team just a fresher team to me i mean you guys in the final in 06 faced the rollson injury and then the, the comeback by Carolina that was part of that first period. And then game two, you guys lost quite badly and then recovered for back game three and pulled your way back into the series. Was there a sense of, uh, I don't know, disbelief or, you know, almost a mourning that you'd lost Rollison that you, that you had to work through? Or what do you remember about dealing with that? Yeah, we had uh, complete and utter control of that game up until that injury. And then, you know, it just... It just things started to snowball against us, and um, you know after that game we felt we felt confident. I don't know if it was overconfident, but heading into game two, we just thought, you know what, we can we can beat these guys and no problem. And then <laughs> we go in and get pounded on the second game. But uh, it's always you know it seems to always take a couple games to when you start a new series to kind of get used to everybody's tendencies and how they play, and then once. Once you get your first couple games in, then you know kind of what everybody's going to be doing and face-off plays and all those things that you kind of, uh, you know, you just get comfortable with each other and, you know, you go from one series to another and one could be more physical and one's more, uh, you know, sit back and then play a positional game. So uh, it always takes a couple games to kind of, you know, get your feet under you when you jump into a new series. And I think one thing the Oilers had to get their feet under them in this series was, you know, the the gamesmanship. They have this has been a, a lopsided uh, matchup in the past regular seasons, with obviously Anaheim being much better than the Oilers. This year, the Oilers were a bit better in the regular season, and you know they're dealing with you know Kessler on McDavid and and the the slashes and the shots that can happen after the play. I mean, when you get into a longer series that goes you know five, six, seven. It's the same guy on you over and over again. Tell me a little bit about the animosity and the gamesmanship that builds up, and how you're how you got to walk the line between standing up for yourself and not doing something that hurts the team. Yeah, you you know when you get into those games and they're tight checking, you just have to do your best to create your own time and space. And um, you know, Tesler is one of the best in the league at you know agitating and. Uh, you know, shutting down other other teams' best uh, best players, but um, you know, but to have success in the playoffs, you always need you know secondary scoring in your third and fourth lines, and um, it's no different for the Oilers. You know, McDavid is still putting up you know he's scoring, but you know they have other guys stepping up and scoring. You know, Latestu too, Drysital, you know, has a big night yesterday, so. 
the Oilers are, are finding ways to to get other guys to contribute and, and score. So, um, yeah, I think they're doing a they're doing a good job of being composed. You know, I guess you can throw out the window experience now. They've they've got the first round. I think they've all kind of learned how to you know have that gamesmanship and savviness and a little bit of you know that swagger um and they've been they've been doing a great job um you know thus far in the playoffs you brought up a couple guys i wanted to ask you more specifically about and i'll, and I'll start with leon dreisaitl who got taken on mcdavid's wing we always knew that that was in mcclellan's pocket right that 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 he could put him at center I mean, five points. It's pretty easy for me to say that's the the best game that I've seen him play. But Fernando, I'm curious for for your reaction because to me, it wasn't just that he got the points; it was how he got them. I mean, he was like a heat seeking missile going after the puck in my mind. Yeah, he he's a big body, and you know he's he's just got that uh, composure with the puck that he can hold off a guy and just that one extra second that he's able to either make that play or beat that guy. And uh, I've just been very impressed with, with how, you know, he handles the puck and um, just the strength. And overall, you know, there was always a question mark about his skating, but uh, I don't think there is that question mark anymore. He's, he's just kind of taken his game to another level. You mentioned Mark Letestu as well, who, like you, was in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, you guys both had seasons of over 100 points. I know, I know, obviously different different eras. You did, never would have played against each other, but um, but I mean, he's uh, you know a guy who has always sort of had to scrap for his ice time and and his attention. And you know, Todd mentioned that maybe he's underestimated around the league, though he certainly wasn't isn't with the Oilers, but. It's interesting to me, and I wonder your reaction, just in the ways Latestu has made himself relevant and important to the team. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, it's always great to see guys that, um, you know, come up different ways to the NHL and how hard they have to to battle and compete to, to get there. And, uh, you know, he's, you know, like you said, he's a guy similar to me that, um, you know, played in the AJ and just made his way, you know, made his way up to the NHL, but you know he's he's contributing on the power play. Like he's got that right-handed shot coming in, and he's just able to to bury those pucks when he gets those opportunities. All right, and last one for you, Fernando Pisani joining us on Inside Sports. Game seven. I mean, we're still about forty-eight hours away, depending on uh, the result of the Washington Pittsburgh game tonight. I, I know I've done enough interviews where guys say you got to try to treat it like any other game. But hey, everybody knows it's Game Seven. I mean, what what goes into the preparation? I, I I mean, are the first few minutes important, or what? What's your uh, sage advice for a player going into a Game Seven? You know, it's it's hard. You know, you always say just treat it like any other game, but it's not any other game. Everything is magnified. You know, you make a mistake, and that could be the you know the goal that gives them the lead or the win. So. But my advice would be just to go out there and just continue to play the way they've played throughout, you know, the first round and the second round. You can't really uh, change anything other than um, just amplifies it, you know, by tenfold is that, you know, you've got to go out there and leave everything on the line and, uh, you know, hopefully you come out on top. But that's, there's really no, you know, great advice to give. But uh, this is probably the biggest game of 90% of those guys have ever played. So, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. 
Fernando, it's always great to have you on the show. I appreciate your perspective. I know fans always love hearing from you, and I'll see you around the rink. I hope we can do this again soon. All right, thanks a lot. Take care. That's Fernando Pisani checking in tonight on Inside Sports, one of the heroes of the Oilers' run to the Stanley Cup final in 2006, and he remains a uh, very passionate about the Edmonton Oilers. Good to talk to him. Got several of uh, several texts coming into 6:30, 6:30. I want to catch up on those. We do have open line time: seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. I can tell you the Capitals continue to lead the Penguins one nothing. An Oshie power play goal in the first period. They're now four minutes into the second frame as the Capitals try to win on the road and stay alive. They're out shooting the Pens 12-3, by the way. The Blue Jays in action, leading the Indians 4-0 in the fifth. Edwin Encarnacion, we're making his uh, turn to Toronto. He's 2-2 two two in the game, but the Indians have not been able to score. Your scoreboard for Crystal Glass, for all your glass needs, visit crystalglass.ca. We'll have some more comments from the Oilers. Pete Weber from the Nashville Predators play-by-play booth will join us as well. Inside Sports on 6.30, Chet. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. Well, thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 6.50 Inside Sports on 630 Chad. We'll have another edition of the program tomorrow. Kelly Rudy is going to join us, and then Wednesday... We have hockey. Again, we don't know the start time, but it's looking more and more like it'll probably be 8 or 8.30 because Washington has just gone up 2-0 on the Pittsburgh Penguins. 13-24 left in the second period. So the Capitals hoping to preserve that lead and force Game 7. Just looking at the goal here for Marc-Andre Fleury, really upset, kind of snuck by him on the... uh, short side just showing a net cam replay yeah that's one of those that looked like it was up against his right hip and I think the puck kind of hung there and then as he moved away from the post it fell out and uh and dropped in so the Capitals go up two nothing and I'll have to give you the goal score in a second here because I just missed who it was I just looked up as Fleur was getting mad Bear uh there it is Burkowski gets the goal so two nothing Capitals leading the Penguins. That's an interesting one. That is the only uh, game tonight. What do we got? Rangers and Ottawa tomorrow. And the Predators have already moved on. And you'll hear more about them from Pete Weber coming up between 7 and 7.30. 780-496-0063 is the phone number. We have Jared on the line tonight. Jared, good to hear from you. Hi, Reed. How are you? Doing quite well. What's on your mind, man? I just want to make a couple of comments about uh, last night's game. And besides the win, I'd, I'd say for me... Uh, the most important thing about that game was the fact that the Oilers were down their second and third best defensemen, and Reinhardt and Greiber were able to come in, and the whole team was able to rally around that and kind of bond closely together and win 7-1. But I think that was a huge uh, confidence booster for the team to realize that if they do have a couple of injuries, like if if they were to win the next game and go on to the next series, that they're still able to to win the game by everybody picking it up a little bit. And just for the Game 7, I think that if the Oilers came out really hard, they could possibly break the back of Anaheim early. But there's no Game 8, so I think it's going to be somewhat of a conservative game on both sides. I don't think that anybody is going to take too many chances to possibly fall behind 
two nothing early in the game. And the last comment would be is that as I watched the Oilers defense, they were that game, the seven one game, they made all of the simple plays. And I always think back to Nicholas Lidstrom and the dozens of times I watched him play, I never saw him do anything spectacular. It was always a simple shot through to the point, once in a while a one timer. But ninety nine times out of a hundred he made the simple play, which was the right play, and he won seven Norris trophies doing so. Right. Well, the D did step up very well. I mean, I mentioned Reinhardt earlier. He had the type of game where he didn't notice him too much, which was fine. Griba gave us, I think, what he usually gives when he plays well. i got to hand it to Matt Benning, though. I, I mean, it, almost 24 minutes. He's. I think he stepped up his physicality a bit over the last couple of games. And the, don't forget, I mean, he made a great pass to Latestu for the Latestu one-timer goal to make yep. it 5 nothing. So Benning, Benning continues to develop. They're not going to have Secre tomorrow, or pardon me, Wednesday. I would expect Greiber to stay in and, uh, and Reinhardt to come out for Clefbaum to come back in. Yeah, but hopefully uh, everything works out in Game 7. And even if it doesn't, I think it's been a, a great season. But if, if uh, the Oilers win tomorrow night, the city's going to be crazy, I think. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Thanks for calling, Jared. He also mentioned, Jared did, about, you know, it's kind of the flow of Game 7. I, I doubt one team is going to come out and take complete control like the Oilers did last night. And I think the Oilers are fine to play a patient game. And, and I've talked about this before, specifically with Anaheim, over the previous couple of seasons, where Anaheim just always played a very patient game against the Oilers, didn't always blow them out, won by a goal or two, but just kind of said, you know what, Edmonton, we know we can wait you out. We know you're going to screw up because you're going to make a silly play or you're going to try a stretch pass that's not there and we'll turn over the puck and bang, go back in and score. And I think the Oilers have proven this season they're, they're mentally equipped to play a patient game and say, you know what, we don't have to try and win it in the first 10 minutes. I mean, if you can get a big lead, obviously great. But I, I think the Oilers are prepared to say we're going to check we're going to have a solid start. We're not going to let you take control of the game. And we think we can play patient and make you make a mistake and then have one of our skill guys capitalize. I, I think they're totally fine going down that road with Anaheim, and there's no way they could have done that in recent seasons. Uh, Kyle from Drayton Valley says, Hey, Reed, does it not look like the Oilers figured something out last game about themselves, about what they have to do to be successful? Can't help but think about this run is doing for the culture lo- going forward. Well, I think that's a great point, and, and I think you know, you're, al- you're always learning right you're always learning as a team and sometimes teams have to be reminded of lessons too and if the Oilers become a perennial playoff team which they're well positioned to become they're going to have other tough losses like they had on Friday night but Kyle I think that's a great point because they applied lessons immediately from game five to game six they were playing pretty well in game five I thought they backed off on the checking a little bit in the last five minutes. The Ducks got some pucks through from the outside. They were back within a goal, and then they eventually tied it. And I think the Oilers realized, we just got to keep the checking up. And we still have to try to make... I mean, you often talk about offensive players making plays. Well, you got to make plays as a checker and a defender as well. And they stopped trying to do that late in Game 5. They never stopped trying to do that in Game 6. They said, we got the lead. Let's not take the foot off the gas. Keep checking, keep hitting, 
keep working and they were rewarded with even more goals. So I think they did learn something and learn something about themselves. Absolutely, Kyle. We'll get to more techs as we go along. We'll also head down to the Music City, Nashville, the Predators. Despite going in as the 16th best out of 16 playoff teams, are the first team to go to the Final Four. Pete Weber is their play-by-play voice. Love talking to Pete. That's up next. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.